You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Good evening and welcome to episode 155 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. All three of us back together for this one, Cody Abrams and Melbourne. Guys, hard to believe that we're already midway through the month of January here in 2023. How are we doing tonight, fellas? Been good, Harp. It's been so fast this winter and, uh, you know, the holiday season and January, everything going on, it, it seems like it's just flying by and somehow I've only been on the slopes once so far this year. So I've got to, uh, I've got to get out there more and stop slacking. I'm very surprised that you've only been out there once. I feel like last winter you were there every weekend on weeknights. Like I was going crazy. like three to four times a week last year. Let's keep in mind that, you know, it's been plus four and no snow, so that doesn't help, but they are blowing out there, blowing some snow, and it's getting a little colder. So hopefully some snow is around the corner in Collingwood here. Hopefully, because I'm excited to go on our little ski trip we've got planned coming up. I haven't been skiing since yep. probably last year's ski trip when we went. So <laughs> always Same. looking forward to it. Uh, so hopefully we get some good weather for that. And uh, boys, I'm doing well. Uh, I wanted to do a little shout out here. I'm wearing this hat. I don't know if you guys can see this or not. It says Black Ice. That was a show that I saw at TIFF last year um, at the film festival, late 2022. I forget exactly when it was, but it was a movie uh, executive produced by Drake, LeBron, and Maverick Carter. And it was essentially a documentary starring some uh, current and former players in the NHL. Akeem Aliou was one that headlines it. Uh, there was a Q&A after the movie where we got to ask questions t- with the uh, director and some of the stars. And it's basically a story about um, black Canadians and the history and legacy of their relationship with hockey in Canada. So it was a really cool story. Paige got me this hat uh, the the day after we went to see the movie at TIFF. So I uh, just wanted to, you know, I wanted to bring this up earlier and I totally forgot about it, but I was wearing it today and I was like, hey, I should show this on the podcast because it was a great film and uh, I highly recommend watching it. But other than that, guys, I've been uh, pretty fantastic. Back to school, back in the swing of things, um, in person now for the most part. So feels like I'm actually into a routine rather than just on my laptop at home. So that's been nice. And uh, yeah, all things considered, I'm uh, doing pretty well. How about you, Harp? What's up? Can't complain, man. Uh, today, of course, is Martin Luther King Day, and so that meant when uh, I got off work this morning that I was able to just come home and watch sports all day. There was hockey on all afternoon. Uh, tough loss for my Sabres today against Florida, of course, 4-1, uh, to one. but hey, it was nice uh, to just relax and watch some hockey on a Monday afternoon and, and kickstart the week that way, so Hey, can't complain. Great to be on with you guys here this evening. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll uh, kick off the episode, of course, with the Boys in the Booth betting corner brought to you by our friends at BetStamp. So, Chad, take it away, my friend. Yeah. So, again, welcome to the Boys in the Booth betting corner. Uh, Like you said, Harper, presented by our newest sponsor, BetStamp, the line shopping app for sports bettors. 
Um, essentially, just before we get into it, betting lines have different odds at each sports book, and by using the BetStamp app, you can line shop across all of those different sports books just to ensure that you're finding the best available value for the bets that you would already be making, anyways. So, my pick for this week, guys. You can almost call it the underdog pick of the week because it seems like every week I pick a team to beat another team who are slated as underdogs according to the odds, but I think there could be some value there to add in um, to a parlay that you've got going on. Um, so here it is. I'm taking the Kraken, who won eight straight games, seven of which being on the road, who lost tonight actually to Tampa Bay in a pretty close one until the final few minutes when Tampa Bay got the empty netters, but um, taking them. To beat the uh who where where is this even going oh to be edmonton rather sorry i got lost in my notes here taking seattle to beat edmonton looking to bounce back on a second half of the back-to-back -back, and the best odds right now are plus 147 on pinnacle and the worst odds are plus 135 on DraftKings. so before i ask you guys whether or not you're going to ride with that or not uh using the best odds on pinnacle uh just want to mention to all the listeners uh, that if you click the link in the description down below and download the BetStamp app today, uh, use the code Boys in the Booth when prompted just to let them know that we sent you. So, guys, are you gonna uh, hop on this bet and take the Kraken to bounce back on a second half of the back-to-back -back with Martin Jones starting, mind you, uh, their best goalie this year to beat the Oilers tomorrow night? Best goalie this year? That it's kind of scary, but I, I'll ride on this one. I'll. I'll I'll hop on because I think both teams have a hot hand coming into this. They're both kind of coming on a good streak. Edmonton's won like two in a row now. And uh, Stuart Skinner's coming back from the birth of his child for tomorrow night. So it will be a close game. But I like those odds. Plus 135 for Seattle to come out and win this. It's probably going to be a high scoring game because that's the only way either of these teams, teams win. So uh, it'll be a fun one to watch and I'll put some money on it too. Yeah, so actually, Case, you can get plus 147. Plus 135 are the odds with DraftKings, uh, and plus Pinnacle, 147 right? are the odds with Pinnacle. So you can get great odds there, and that's sort of why I picked them. I thought they were the underdogs, and they have a good fighting chance at this game against Edmonton. Yeah. I am not going to ride this, Chadwick. Oh. I will take the Edmonton Oilers to win this one. They've uh, they've won three in a row. Big win over Vegas over the weekend. Um, Clem Costin has been playing great for them he's earned himself a full-time job and they could have Evander Kane back as soon as tomorrow night so he could be back in the lineup for that game uh projected to play on the third line it'll probably take him some time to get reacclimated uh into the lineup and into the pace and all of that um but still that is a huge boost at the perfect time for this hockey team They've won three in a row. I think that Seattle, with the big stretch that they've been on, uh, the the heater that they've been on, they're due for a, a bit of a lull for a, for a couple games. So I am not going to take this one, man. I'm sorry. I'm I'm going to take the Oilers. Well, boo! You better put your money where your mouth is and uh, show me your bets, <laughs> Harp. Um, but if you're taking the Oilers, what you got to do is go to BetStamp, find the best odds, and bet with that book. So there you go. If you go to the App Store today by clicking the link down below. Download the BetStamp app, and when you do, please put in the code Boys in the Booth. Really helps us out. Every download is uh, really great for us. Helps us grow. Helps us build uh, what we've got going on here. And uh, yeah, it's just a great app too. So it benefits both of us.
There we go. There is the uh, the bet stamp betting corner here on the podcast. And uh, now let's get to our main topic for the episode, guys. And so what we're going to be doing over these next um, three weeks after this one is we're going to be evaluating the teams in all four divisions and uh, their midseason grades. So we're, we're at that time in the NHL season, of course, we're about six weeks away from the deadline, so it's really the perfect time to do these, to hand out these mid-season grades. And we're going to be starting with the Western Conference and the Pacific Division in this episode. So we're going to go in order one through eight, and we will start with the Vegas Golden Knights at the top, 58 points in 44 games. They sit atop the Pacific Division. Case, let's get your grade for the G-Knights. Yeah, so what I've been doing to kind of prepare for this one is listing a, a bit of positives and some negatives for each team and then giving them a grade. Well, I didn't list any negatives for the Vegas Golden Knights so far this year. It's all positives for them. They're better than I thought they'd be this year. And I guess I'm an idiot for thinking that because why wouldn't this team be good? Um, you know, I started saying maybe it was because of goaltending in our pre-season uh, preview. But when you play such good defense, um, it doesn't really matter. It, it, that's what we came to find. You just kind of need league average and Thompson's playing above league av- average for them. So that combination is winning for them. And it's not just the defense that this team has. It's the forwards. They all kind of, they remind me of the Boston Bruins where they're all kind of responsible in their own end, like especially Stone and Stevenson and Carrier. Like all these guys are very good two-way forwards. So they play great defense. They're scoring a lot of goals and they're getting good goaltending on top of it. First in the league, I gave them an A. I didn't give them an A plus because this is kind of what we expect from them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, okay, so Case, I like what you did there. You list some positives and tried to find some negatives, but with Vegas, you know, that's kind of tough. Being, right now. Yeah, one, one of the better teams in the league. But uh, what I did and kind of how I approached this episode is I looked at our original rankings and then I kind of compared and contrast them with the actual standings currently about the midway point of the season right now. And I gave grades based on... Uh, how the teams are performing based on our our own expectations. So I'm with you with this one. I gave Vegas an A as well. And for me, the reasoning was uh, just the fact that they've had so many injuries to key players this year. Um, you know, and that was kind of the story last year and maybe why they underperformed so many injuries and they just weren't able to get over the hump. But this year, they are missing some key pieces, most notably Mark Stone and Shea Theodore at the top of the list. Um, and they've been able to just battle through it, weather the storm, and prove to the league that um, you know even when they're not completely healthy, they can still hang. So relative to our expectations with uh, when we picked them to finish third in the division, first place ain't bad, and I think it deserves an A. Yeah, A's all across the board. I'm uh, I'm picking that as my grade as well for the Vegas Golden Knights. When healthy, they look like a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, you guys, I know, had your doubts about Logan Thompson. I'll, I'll say it again. I was pretty high on this guy coming into the season, and uh, and that has proved to be true. Um, I, I think the, the backup position in, in the net is a bit of a question mark. They're going to have to decide uh, between Aiden Hill or do they give Brossois another chance or do they go out and get somebody 
Um, so that that is certainly a question mark, but really not a big deal. They just have to be, you know, average or a little bit uh, above average uh, because of how well Logan Thompson has been playing. And um, this this team is well coached, obviously, with Bruce Cassidy taking over in, in his first year with them. And they've really proved to have some depth for a team that's that's given up a lot these last couple of years as far as assets. They don't have a lot of prospects coming, <laughs> but they've done a really good job with pro scouting and have been able to add some good depth. Guys like Nick Waugh, Keegan Colasar, Paul Cotter looks like a good player in their bottom six as well. So um, they're a very deep team. Uh, case I like the Boston comparison like everybody has their role their responsibility this team is is deep top to bottom when they're healthy so yeah an A for uh, for the Golden Knights first place in this division so it's something I noticed when I was kind of looking into their defense I was on money puck of course and to kind of deflate your Logan Thompson tires there harp they've allowed the fourth least amount of high danger opportunities against and I think they uh, are eighth in medium danger shots against so this guy's had to face a lot of shots outside of the home plate and it's kind of the result he's getting he is playing good i'm not gonna i'm not gonna dummy him down that much but like the vesna caliber type season when you look at his traditional numbers um there's an argument against that and i'll say too guys while we're talking about goaltending for vegas like we haven't even mentioned the fact that they're missing their starter really you know they're missing robin laner who was supposed to be the starting goalie once they got rid of mark andre fleury and now you know first of all we don't know when he's going to come back if ever like we know there's a lot of difficulties there uh injury wise he might need to come back because off. he's bankrupt now <laughs> i was gonna say Not that and I off the ice. At that, but like yeah snake i mean farm. exotic exotic snake farms will do that to you but the Jesus. point is not having their starting goaltender like go to any team around the league and i know goalies are kind of voodoo and they're hard to predict anyways but you know take vasilevsky off of tampa bay take um i don't know like even one of the two goalies in toronto off of toronto like they're different teams without your starting goaltender and to not Winnipeg have laner is getting bedard if you take away hellebuck <laughs> that that's a really good one because he's been really good this year uc saros is another one who just absolutely carries nashville but like take a starting goalie away from any team and see what happens to that team and vegas that- looked at it they were like listen, we don't need a starting goalie like Robin Lehner. We've got now four goalies who can play in the NHL on the payroll. So Yeah, that's kind of how I wrote the positive out is I, I wrote it in my short form, you know, what works in my brain as goalie is a number one. And uh, that's because they lost their number one and now they have, they found one. And then, and being able to do that, that's such a positive. And especially when you're in first place, it, it shows a, a lot about your team. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the Carolina Hurricanes, right? It seems like they just find guys to stop pucks, like, out of nowhere, and it works. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Winter is back, and whether you're playing pond hockey or nursing an eggnog hangover this holiday season, Liquid IV has you covered. 
Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. It's made with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks, premium ingredients, non-GMO, and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors too, but my personal favorite is lemon lime. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the promo code BOYS underscore IN underscore THE underscore BOOTH. That's 20% off anything when you order using the promo code BOYS underscore IN underscore THE underscore BOOTH at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. This podcast is sponsored by the ticket app SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes all the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. All right, uh, so that closes things on uh, the Vegas front. So A's across the board, and now we'll move on to the team tied for second, just two points behind Vegas in this division, uh, tied with the LA Kings for second place, and that is the Seattle Kraken. So, Chad, of course, you've got your Jared McCann jersey up behind you. Good timing. He got a hat trick in that blowout win over the Blackhawks over the weekend. I've got my Kraken hat on. They're absolutely rolling right now, and uh, they're in second place, tied for second, excuse me, in this division. 56 points in 42 games. Who the hell saw this coming? Chad, I, I know... You said they'd be a good team going into this season. Case and I weren't that sure, uh, but they're they're proving I'm a lot of people. Still not that sure. <laughs> they're they're proving a lot of people wrong right now. And so, uh, Case, your grade for the Seattle Kraken. Um, I'm sure some people are going to be pissed off at this based off where they are in the standings, but I give them a B plus. Boo! Um, again, I'm going to list <laughs> I'm going to list my positive and negatives here. First of all, first positive, they're second in the division. No one saw that coming, so that's a clear one. The other one is they've been so great on the road. Second best road team in the league after the Devils. Seven-game uh, seven road um, series swept. Like, Well, yeah. it's a series. It's not just the win streak because the Devils had way more than a seven-game win streak on the road. Yeah. Um, it's a series, the which trip. is the first the in, trip, yeah, first, in yeah. the, first time in NHL history, so that's amazing. The other one, other positive I have for them is goals, goals, goals. But there's a backhanded compliment or a backhanded positive on this one as they're shooting a ridiculous 11.25%. That's by far the highest in the league. Um, Second to seventh are in the 9% range and they're at 11.25. So I'm saying they might be overperforming when it comes to goal ten or uh, goals. And uh, things might equal out here because the negatives I have for them is their goaltending is still atrocious. Um, They haven't really cracked that code. Martin Jones has been just under league average in my mind. 
Uh, so they need to figure that out. Their penalty kill is the second worst in the entire league. And the last negative I have for them is the Shane Wright situation. I don't really like what happened there, playing him for like three and a half to six minutes a night and then kind of tossing him around, throwing him down the AHL and when they know that he can't be there that long. I don't know. It's all weird to me. That's a negative in my mind. It's just bad optics and and bad voodoo for the team, I guess. But I have them as a B plus because of their goaltending and their penalty kills and the fact that I think that the goals have to slow down. Like Jared McCann has 22 goals and eight assists. What is that? (laughs) Yeah, he is really (laughs) popped off this year. And Case, I don't think you're wrong to point out that some guys are definitely benefiting from a high shooting percentage, scoring more than they've uh, generated, expected that is. So yeah, I mean that those things are fair. But at the end of the day, they're still sitting in second place right now, which is a massive positive. When a lot of team or a lot of people before the season started didn't think that they would even sniff a playoff spot. And even me, who was high on the team coming into the season, uh, said that they would be a bubble playoff team. So like no one was I, absolutely sold that they would. I be know we're this doing good. I know we're doing mid season like grades here yeah but i still think that they're gonna be like maybe the last team in or second last team in like i don't think that this second place in their division holds 100 that's why i have them at a b plus because they're they're their defense has been okay but their goaltending and their penalty kill is so bad like that's not a playoff team those aren't attributes of a playoff team you know 100 and i'm not saying that you know when they do make the playoffs because i think at this point it's not a guarantee that they will make the playoffs but i think they're pretty well set up like money puck right now has them at 93 percent chance to make the playoffs so i you know it would be shocking if they fell out at this point now that we're almost 50 games into the 82 game regular season but seattle like i given their flaws and or sorry despite their flaws i don't think you can give them anything less than an a plus in my mind because heading into the season Nobody thought that they would even sniff a playoff spot and people who were high on the team like myself uh, thought that they would just be a bubble team. So I think the fact that they are in a playoff spot right now and kind of handling some really good teams in the process over this last couple week stretch is uh, is a really good sign. So they have. They, they added guys like Bjorkstrand, Burakovsky, Matty Beneers obviously has come into the mix. Jared McCann has uh, improved this year. And even a guy like Ellie Tolvanen, like it just seems like everything is going right for them up front. And yes, I'll admit, Case, the goaltending hasn't completely solved itself. But what's the one thing that I keep coming back to with this team and teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins? It's like... If they just get league average goaltending, they'll be okay. And to this point in the season, again, almost 50 games in, uh, Martin Jones has been slightly above average in terms of my favorite stat, goal saved above expected, just very slightly. And Philip Grubauer has been just very slightly below average. So they're hovering right at the spot that they need to be. And even if their um, you know, normal counting stats don't look fantastic, for the goalies that is, Um, They're putting together decent seasons on a team that, frankly, isn't very good defensively. And the penalty kill numbers sort of indicate that, as you talked about, Case. So I think if they uh, are to add at the deadline, the piece they should look for is a shutdown defenseman. I know every team wants a shutdown defenseman, but I think they're legitimately in a position now to add at the deadline 
when at again at the start of the year i don't think anybody thought that they would even be this close to a playoff spot i think you know regardless of where they are in the standings they're not in a position to buy at the trade deadline they do not have the stock they don't have um the stock of prospects or picks that they need to be a franchise starting up to go out and spend especially if they want a, a shutdown defenseman that's going to be an arm and a leg in this market so i don't see them overspending at the trade deadline i think they're just going to be happy with what they have here fair enough i could see them being conservative buyers and the reason i say that is because i heard harpen maybe you can back me up with this if you listen to this part of the podcast on 32 thoughts where elliot friedman said that some gms around the league are looking at early second round picks this year as valuable as first round picks next year because this draft is so deep and seattle correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure they have three second rounders in this upcoming draft so i think even one of those could get you a decent player to add at the deadline. And I'm not saying they even should. I'm just saying if they wanted to, and if they think that, you know, they're legit, they could if they wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard that as well. And uh, it it makes a lot of sense with how strong this draft class is. Daniel Sprong is another player who's uh, been giving them really good depth scoring in their bottom six but uh, I, I don't have a single a plus uh, in my in my grades for for this division but I will give Seattle an a because I thought they were going to be a lottery team in in year two and just given how last season went for for this hockey club um, but they went out in the off season and they addressed goal scoring this team can score their way out of problems which is a good thing in the regular season, in the playoffs, though, you cannot outscore your problems. And so um, I, I do think they have a couple of needs if Ron Francis decides to to buy. I don't see him being a guy that will take a big swing, but filling in around the edges, getting another goaltender, like, a, you know, like an Alex Stalock, even, for example, who's been pretty good. On, he's been Chicago's best goaltender, honestly, on a terrible hockey team. He's got a good save percentage, just as an example. And then, you know, maybe a, a third pair defenseman who can be that that shutdown guy, as you mentioned. So I think it'll be more just filling around the edges uh, if, if Ron Francis does decide to add. By the way, speaking of their blue line, Vince Dunn is uh, the guy who has the most points during that eight-game win streak that yeah. ended tonight, obviously. He's been so, great. Um, he, he's been, he's been fantastic and, uh, yeah, it just, they, they blow me away. They've been a complete surprise. Um, but again, I, I think the scoring their way out of problems will catch up to them at some point here, just given how the goaltending has been, but they're getting saves at the times that they need saves. Here's the stat. Here's the one I've been holding my back pocket ready to say is Goals for above expected for the team, 25.68. Second place is 15.04. Third is 7.97 in the entire league. They're at 25.68 goals above expected. They're getting ridiculously lucky. And uh, 
that's what I mean by you know the equilibrium's got to kick in here and they've got to uh, they've got to slow down a bit. I'd like to see them in the playoffs. I think it'd be fun, but I don't know if it's going to be second place in Pacific. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And like, you're not, you know, to kind of conclude this conversation on the Kraken, you're not going to win games. You're not going to win every game eight to four and rely on Jared McCann to get a hat trick. Like it's just, you're not going to score six goals on seven shots on Peter Mrazek and Alex Stalock. You know, so the the Edmonton Oilers can't do it with McDavid. So I don't know if like. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All we'll right, that, that wraps it up on uh, <laughs> that wraps it up on the uh, Seattle Kraken, and so right there with them, we'll move on to the LA Kings now. They're tied for second with Seattle, as I mentioned uh, earlier, fifty six points in forty six games. So they've played uh, four more than uh, than the Kraken, um, and. Uh, Let's let's talk about LA. It's 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 been a an up and down season for the Kings. They've gotten lucky themselves with their goaltending, which we'll get to. But uh, case your grade for the Kings. Yeah, I was kind of torn between an A minus and a B plus for these guys. Kind of a similar Seattle story for myself. Um, I did land at A minus because. I think that they're not overachieving or underachieving. They're kind of exactly where we expect them to be. And that's an A minus in my mind for for these guys when it comes to, you know, they're in a playoff spot, obviously. Their forwards are deep and very well structured. I love this team when I look at their their forwards. Uh, you know, two like their top six is good and their bottom six is good and everyone fits in their roles. It's great. Uh, the defense gets a little more sketchy for me, but there are some guys that are really standing out on this team, like obviously Dowdy and Dursey and then Mikey Anderson's playing well. Um, so that's another positive for me. Velarde's a positive for me. Um, the negatives are the goaltending situation for sure. How long can you ride on uh, Copley being as good as he's been? Uh, you had to send peterson down who you signed a massive contract to and then jonathan quick is deteriorating as well so that's a scary situation and again this team's penalty kill is just as bad as seattle seattle's at time i think they're 27th in the league and um so those are my negatives but those are negatives that i think this team can overcome um and they're not again they're not overachieving or underachieving they are actually where were they uh goals against above expected is high and their goals for above expected is a minus six so again this team should kind of equal out and land where they are right now third in the pacific yeah i mean that checks out that seems to kind of match the eye test when looking at the la kings you know like they're a team who has gotten poor goaltending all year um, you know, they put their $5 million goalie on waivers and nobody picked them up. So it shows you how, I mean, a big contract, mind you, but it shows you how bad their goaltending has been uh, putting Cal Peterson on waivers. But yeah, Case, I was between those two grades as well, an A- and a B+. I ended up settling on the on a B+. Um, right now, Money Puck has them at 77% chance to make the playoffs. Uh, I love their forward group as well. Velarde, obviously kind of a local guy love to see it and uh the only the reason i went with a b plus rather than an a minus though is because of two players in particular who we thought would be better at this time and it's quentin byfield and alex turcott both players um are under a point per game in the american hockey league byfield has at least been up and down to the nhl 
uh, in between the two leagues. But I just thought at this point in both of their careers, there would be more production. And I think LA and their management thought the same thing. So, I mean, if, if those two players were at a level that some other players drafted around them were at uh, or are at currently, like I'm looking at, you know, a Tim Stutzla, for example, um, who was drafted third in that byfield draft, um, it would be a different team. And I think they could potentially be a powerhouse if they had more production out of the plethora of young players that they've had in the pipeline for it seems like forever now so i do like what they've been doing this season um i think they're only going to get better as their goaltending kind of comes back to earth and starts getting better itself um but yeah i couldn't quite go with an a grade or even an a minus just because uh you know I, i want more out of those younger players i think they're good enough they just haven't they haven't shown it yet that's the only thing settle the argument harp well, not really with, an with, argument, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, not much of a of an argument from uh, from my side, but uh, yeah, I, I've got LA at a at a B plus as well. I think that was fair for them. Um, look, like Phoenix Copley has kind of saved their season. He's twelve and two in his last fourteen games, and who the heck saw that coming? So they've gotten extremely lucky between the pipes. Peterson down the American Hockey League. I'm surprised he hasn't been back up yet at this point. He makes $5 million. That's an issue, obviously. Um, and it's he's not the only casualty. We saw Alex Nedeljkovic get sent down uh, the other day by the Detroit Red Wings. That's $3 bucks right there as a, as a little side note. And then, as you guys mentioned, Jonathan Quick is on the backside of 30. But Rob Blake and the Kings are kind of in a in an interesting spot. They've got a lot of kids, they've made a lot of picks, but they've kind of boxed out some of these young players because they have Kopitar and Doughty, who I think said that we like we don't know how much longer we we have left. We want to be competitive and and be a playoff team and and everything and which is totally fair. Um but I I just I feel like, you know, guys like Byfield and and Turcotte who we haven't really seen yet and may not even pan out, who knows, as a high first round pick, but there are some young players that they have in their system who have kind of been boxed out a little bit and unfortunately, that's just the way it goes sometimes, but um, look, this is a team that took Edmonton to seven games in the first round last year. They're one of those teams for me that they're highly entertaining. Kevin Fiala has been a perfect fit for them, and they just need to get in, and uh, they'll be a tough out no matter what. But it's yeah. been a really up-and-down season for them, and uh, if it weren't for Copley here, like, w- would we be we'd be talking about this team, I think, outside of the playoffs, in my opinion. So we we really don't know and until the more consistent goaltending comes, and it can't just be Copley. I think the difference, I always, I always kind of compare these guys with Chicago at all times because they're both so good at the same time. I think what's differentiated them is... Chad, like you guys both talk, like touched on it, like the boxing out of their their young guys. Well, they box out the young guys um, with bringing in great players. To talk to Harp's point, they bring in you know Arvidsson, Dano, and Fiala. All of those guys are playing spectacular. And then to talk to Chad's point of like their their young superstars didn't haven't panned out quite yet. Well, 
it doesn't matter as much for them when guys like Adrian Kempe kind of blow up out of nowhere. Lazo is like a, a good third center or whatever you want to call him. He he's kind of come out of nowhere. They've had some you know depth picks and depth players really blow up and that's kind of the difference you you haven't seen that in chicago at all yeah well another guy is trevor moore too who's had success yeah, in la yeah. and he's currently hurt right now but in chicago like you could argue you know guys actually two players who are currently in detroit dominic kubalik and pui Suter, both of whom had good seasons in chicago but then didn't stick around so they kind of have had some of that you know homegrown talent uh succeed but then they weren't able to keep them so i mean like la listen the problem we already talked about really i think is the goaltending more than their young players not succeeding that was just something for me like i wanted to see more out of both of those players this year because they've both been pretty quiet since being drafted but um like to touch on the goaltending just to kind of wrap up the conversation on la imagine if they still had peterson and jack campbell at 10 million bucks combined like that would be a terrible tandem for way too much money holy not nah, chad it's goaltending voodoo they they that'd be a william jennings trophy winning team yeah true they both be up for the vesna yeah Last thing on the Kings, you know, we, we've talked about their young players being boxed out and everything, um, but an encouraging sign is Gabriel Velarde, of course, who has finally come into his own. He's a bit of a late bloomer, like he's in his mid-20s now and he's finally arrived, so that is encouraging, and uh, as we know with these centers who are big bodies... Tage Thompson, a great example. It it can it can take till you get into your mid twenties to really come into your own, and we're seeing that with Velarde. So hey, with their young players, with their prospect pool, that is an encouraging sign. And I could see the same thing happening with a guy like Quentin Byfield. So there we go. Uh, B plus for the LA Kings uh, from my standpoint, and uh, we'll move on to the Calgary Flames in that fourth spot in the Pacific Division. So five points behind the LA Kings for third. Uh, They've got 51 points in 44 games. The Flames have won two in a row. They were able to get by the Dallas Stars and avoid the complete collapse. They were up six to two in that game and uh, ended up just getting by them six to five over the weekend. So the Flames... Look like they're starting to turn it around a little bit. It's been an up-and-down season for Calgary, no doubt. Jacob Markstrom has really struggled. Case, your grade for the Flames midway through. Um, another one I was kind of torn on the grade here. I, I couldn't couldn't figure out if this was a B-minus or a C-plus team. I landed on B-minus because they have started to turn things around, but uh, I think two weeks ago I would have called them a C-plus. The positives that I have for these guys um is well they have the players the players are there there's a lot of underperforming going on in this team so that's a positive that could also be a negative another positive that could be also a negative is their defense has been really good like they the negative part of it is they seem like the new york islanders of the west all of a sudden with worse goaltending so or underperforming goaltending they play a real good tight defensive game but they can't score goals that's the negative part of it um again the one more positive they're in a playoff spot right now surprisingly 
And then in the negatives, I have the new boys as negatives. Uberdo has not been who you know who he was in Florida and Mackenzie Weger hasn't really stood out to me either in Calgary which uh, I'm a big fan of his so I'd like to see him turn around and then my other negative is Markstrom because he's on my fantasy team and he was a top three fantasy goalie last year and he's like ranked 295 right now in the league he's struggling um you know they're kind of going I'll call it 2A, 2B with him and Vladar at the moment. They haven't got the goaltending. They haven't got the goals. And uh, yeah, so I do have them as a B minus here. Yeah, there's a lot going wrong with the Calgary Flames right now. And I mean, I think to a certain extent, you can kind of just chalk it up to like a new look, right? Like, can't you to a certain extent, like just new guys in trying to adapt to a new system for them and sometimes it just takes a while but to your fantasy point case markstrom i had him i forget which league last year it might have it was either our league or my other league. league it was our league yeah and he was really good in fantasy and uh really thought about keeping him as well thank god i didn't so have fun with that uh they're gonna get better though and he's gonna get lots of wins but another one is huberdo in my other league this year huberdo went as a first round keeper and he has been just like i believe he's under a point per game and he just hasn't looked good all year and you know if you're if you're a flames fan at this point, you might be missing a player like Matt Kachuk. You might be missing Johnny Gaudreau, both of whom are having pretty good seasons, Kachuk especially in Florida, despite that team not being very good. But at the end of the day, you have two really good players who have signed with your team for a long time, and they're going to figure it out. Like Things are just yeah. going wrong for this team, and for that reason, I've given them a C, but you know, like the goaltending, for example, Markstrom has always been so good. Um, you know, he talked about last year in the playoffs not being very good against Edmonton, and that was apparent. But, you know, we didn't expect that to carry over into this entire season. And right now, like I just looked at his uh, goal saved above expected, and he's been the better of the two goalies. Mind you, he's been almost exactly league average, which you know, for a goalie who was considered last year as, I would say, top five, maybe even top three with all the wins that he got and the numbers that he put up, you know, like, it's just not good enough. With all that being said, I think they'll figure it out. There's some definite positives. Um, the Mangiapane line has been starting to heat up recently. And uh, like you said, Case, their defense is good. So they're in a playoff spot right now. Um, it doesn't seem like they're going to lose that spot. Um, and they're you know they're fine at this point but i can't give them more than a c because of all the underperformances on the team yeah i I went a little higher with uh with the calgary flames and uh this is really the you know the first one where we're all kind of different um I went with a B with the Flames. I I like Calgary. You know, I think they're a much better hockey team than their record shows right now. And uh, obviously, Uyghur and Huberdo kind of stick out like sore thumbs. Complete system change for those two guys. They went from kind of that run-and-gun, high-flying offensive style in Florida to more of this uh, defensively structured system that Daryl Sutter has in place in Calgary. The blue line has been pretty good. 
although they do miss Oliver Shillington, and we don't really know what's going on with him, but he's been out. They definitely miss him as a top four defenseman. And then the goaltending, Vladar has been better out of the two. With Markstrom right now, it's just, it's it's all up here. His confidence is kind of in the toilet. We've seen some pretty rough uh, post-game interviews from him that, you know, he's saying, oh, I, I suck tonight. I got to be better. It's all on me, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Markstrom is a good goalie. He's committed there for, for a long time. He will figure it out. And then the other thing with the Calgary Flames to, um, to, to get them to improve even more is uh, g- give some of their young players a shot. Like we saw how Adam Rzichka played for, for a while there. He's kind of dipped a little bit, but he got an opportunity and he ran with it. Jacob Peltier, Matthew Phillips, who's been up a little bit as well. And we're talking about the goaltending being a concern right now, and it may continue to be with Markstrom on that deal. But man, Dustin Wolf has absolutely been tearing it up in the American Hockey League for Calgary. So that is certainly encouraging. But uh, I like the Flames. And I I don't see them outside of the playoffs. They're too good of a team. They're better than uh, what they've been so far this season. So I had to settle on a B. And being built from the back out, like that's a playoff team, 100%. So if they get in, like they're going to be a tough out, similar to a team like LA. Though built completely differently, they're going to be a tough out. Money Puck has them at the second best odds to win the cup. Yeah. Wow. I find that unbelievable. But a lot of it has to do with them being in the West. Um, Only one team can come out of the East. And uh, the team that comes out of the East is going to be battle-torn. So um, I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, But yeah, Money money Puck has has a lot on them. I would say those odds are probably also coming from the fact that Calgary's defense are some of, they have some of the best pairings in the league year year over year in terms of controlling the expected goals. So I would assume that they have at least two pairs in the top 20 in those categories. So they control the chances really well. Like we've said, you know, it's just been going in more than expected and they just haven't been scoring as much as we sort of hoped they would with this new look up front. But yeah. That's some explanation. I would assume anyway that that factors into it, but definitely being from the West as well. Yeah. A lot of guys had career years on this team last year, and so it's really hard to follow that up. But, uh, you know, Lindholm is still Lindholm, one of the best two-way centers in the game. Nazem Kadri has been a perfect fit. Like, that is a Daryl Sutter player to a T. <laughs> And uh, the thing is, with this back end, before we move off of Calgary, they don't really have a star back there. They kind of just get it done by committee. Uyghur, Hannafin, Chris Tanev, that guy's a warrior. You'd want him in the playoffs on your team. And, uh, and the list goes on. So, um, yeah, look, the, the, this team is a lot better than what they've showed so far, and it looks like they're starting to get it together. All right, let's move off of the Flames, and we will go to the other team in Alberta. Uh, By the looks of it, maybe they're starting to get it together as well, and that is the Edmonton Oilers, of course. So, tied with Calgary for that fourth spot in the Pacific. They've won three in a row, 51 points in 45 games. Uh, They've played one more game than Calgary. A thought on the Oilers and uh, your grade, Ace. 
well, I have them at a C, like, you know, just a step below Calgary. Um, I have them at a C because I'm so mad at them. How can you have a player that is on pace for 150 points or whatever he's at now, and you're still not a playoff team? That blows my mind. Um, I've listed the positives here. Uh, I've listed them as players. I listed McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, and Stuart Skinner. No other positives here on this <laughs> team in my mind. Um, the negatives, not in a playoff spot. Um, another negative, not the time to miss the playoffs. When you have McDavid, I if they miss the playoffs, I might have to delete Instagram so I don't have to see all the posts and articles about how they're ruining McDavid's career and how they need to trade him and all oh, uh, trade rumors start about Connor McDavid. Another negative jack campbell that's tough man um again i've mentioned it a couple times i hate that i have to root against them because i have skinner on my fantasy team but i've been doing it and then their slow start is another negative they started out so poorly they really have started to turn it around that's why it could be a c plus team in my mind but man the slow starts killing them um make the playoffs for Connor mcdavid's sake please if the oilers miss the playoffs this year Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Connor McDavid will be the first player ever to win the Hart Trophy after his team did not make the playoffs because he will win the Hart Trophy, like period. It's not even a conversation. Like there are other players yeah. who have been really good for their respective teams. A guy who comes to mind is Tage Thompson. Another one is Jason Robertson, Matthew Kachuk, I mentioned earlier, Connor Hellebuck as a goaltender carrying his team. Like all of these players are in the conversation, but they're not even close to what Connor McDavid is doing. Like we have not seen a player this electric maybe ever in our lifetime. Like this guy might get 150 points. And when I say our lifetime, I mean us watching the TV, watching players live. Like, we didn't watch Mario Lemieux live. We didn't watch Gretzky live, you know? So, like, seeing this player do what he's doing, you know, it's not only as exhilarating as, uh, you know, Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin in their rookie years, but it's actually better. Like, what he's doing is unprecedented. And if the Oilers miss the playoffs... McDavid will likely be the first player to win the Hart Trophy when his team misses. And that would be an absolute joke. And I would be pissed if I'm an Oilers fan. And I would be pissed if I'm a hockey fan in general, a fan of any other team, because that's just a joke. How many years have they had with McDavid and they haven't been able to build something decent around? Like, how have they not had a back end that's been even serviceable, to be honest? Like, it's been... Very tough to watch. All I'll say on Edmonton, this is a quick one for me as I wrap up my point. They have the best power play in the league by a wide margin. They have two of the top point scorers in the NHL year in, year out, and they might still miss the playoffs. So if they don't figure it out, I'm going to be pissed. But for everyone's sake, I'm hoping they do. I'm hoping they figure it out. And right now, Money Puck does have them with a better chance than not of making the playoffs. So, you know... I'm betting on the fact that they will, but it's not a guarantee, and that's a joke at this point. So for all those reasons, I'm giving Edmonton a D plus. Wow, harsh. 
to Oilers fans. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I hope Jay was listening to that. Jay Zucci <laughs> in the fantasy but, league. But hey, I get it. And uh, you know, for me, I, I do think this team will get into the playoffs, but they have to continue this little run that they're on because if they miss, uh, that is a colossal failure. Like I, I don't know how else to to describe it. You have two of arguably two of the the top players on the entire planet on your team playing for you every night and they're they can only do so much two guys can only do so much for this hockey team the goaltending we knew it was a risk giving jack campbell that kind of term and money and with him you know, he's a great guy and everything. He can be a great goaltender, but I just, I, I feel like with him, it's all mental and confidence. And he has a really to- hard time moving on from things. He lets in a bad goal, it sticks with him. That playoff series loss to the Montreal Canadiens when, when he was in Toronto and in the bubble, I think that still haunts him to this day. He has a tough time letting things go. Stuart Skinner looks like he's arrived. He's had his ups and downs, but he he's the guy right now that, that you got to roll with, in, in my opinion. And then on, on the back end, I look at a guy like Evan Bouchard, who had a huge breakout year for them. But this year, I think it's fair to say he's been kind of in, invisible. Like Jay Woodcroft has, um, he, he's scratched him at times. He's sat him at times because he, he's been having tough nights. And so they are clearly looking for defensemen. We've heard rumors about guys like Gafrikov in Columbus, Edmondson in Montreal, and the list goes on. And then, of course, the forward depth. Like, it drives me crazy watching an Oilers game one night, and who are the two guys on McDavid's wing? Yamamoto and Yessi Puliarvi. Are you kidding me? That is who you give the best player on the planet, those two guys on his wings. And it's funny, like, a guy who has played on his wing at times and has been good, he's been a good fit for Edmonton in general, is Clem Costin. But still, it's like, Ken Holland, this is the best that you can do for this guy, the best player on the planet who probably will have 150 points this season. If they miss the playoffs, he, he's got to ask to be out of Edmonton. It'll be tough to see, but my goodness, man. And, and I, I just, you know, they made it to the Final Four last year, but they can't keep holding on to that. This is this season, and you have to, like, this is their window to win with these guys because Dreisaitl, in a couple of years already, he's going to be looking for a new ticket, and that deal is going to be massive. So with all that being said, I'm not going to be too harsh on the Oilers. I'll give them a B- minus because it looks like they're starting to turn around and they're getting Evander Kane back in their lineup. That's going to be a big boost for them, getting Kane back. And like they, they haven't have been Hyman the same now. without him. He, he's yeah. a huge part of that team. They have Hyman now too, and he's been good. Yep. He's had a good year. And uh, also Nuge has had a breakout year. Now, a lot of his points have come on the power play, but like, listen, there's the best power play in the league. Like, what are you going to do? Not get points on it? Like, it's still impressive. So like, they've had some good individual seasons, clearly. I just don't understand like why they can't figure it out and start racking up some more wins. It's just frustrating. It is. It's, it's extremely frustrating. And, you know, again, Darnell Nurse, 
He's a good defenseman. I really like him, but he's not worth over $9 million a season. I, I think we all agree on that. Yeah, and that, you know, because of that and the back end that they've built, they're going to overspend at the deadline. They're going to add oh. a Joel Edmondson for a first and a prospect. And, you know, then you're going to mortgage your future for. I mean, listen, they went to the Final Four last year, like you said. You can't take that away from them. They've had far more playoff success than, frankly, some teams who have been far better in the regular season. I'm talking about the Maple Leafs. So I can't really say anything about the team. Um, it's just frustrating to watch. And it's sad as a hockey fan to see McDavid, who is, I wouldn't say he's going to get 100 in 50 points but he has a legitimate shot at doing that which would yeah, be yeah exactly i said he probably see. will it's not a guarantee obviously but we would not bat an eye if he actually did it so yeah i just hope that they can get in and be a tough out and go on a run like they did last year but <laughs> it is tough to follow it up two years in a row and right now we're not really convinced but there is some hope They've won three games in a row, getting healthier. We'll see what they do at the deadline as well. All right, so that is the Oilers. And, oh boy, uh, this next team, there are, there's going to be some harsh uh, grading for, for this next team, to say the least. And that's the Vancouver Canucks. It's It's been an entertaining season for Vancouver, but for all the wrong reasons, as we know. They're not going to make the playoffs, no question. Uh, they're under 500 by you know uh, by a, a, a good a handful of games, and uh, they've got 39 points in 43 games. They did get a big win against the Carolina Hurricanes, of course. Beautiful shootout winner by Elias Pettersson, but it's it's been a disastrous season for the Vancouver Canucks. Case, let's get your grade for Vancouver. Yeah. Um, first of all, we gotta fly through these next three boys. Like, yeah. Yep. Uh, but I think it's gonna be easy to fly through these because there's not a lot of good things to say. Uh, I have an F plus on the uh, <laughs> Vancouver Canucks. I'm gonna go ahead and give them that. I was thinking about giving them a D, but being a tweener team that misses the playoffs in this season is enough to make you an F plus because if you're not going to be good, be very bad this year and they're not that. So I give them an F plus my positives are while well, my positive is that their core guys have been good. They're Horvat, Pedersen, Hughes. All of these guys have been pretty good. Besser struggled at times. He's turned it around. Uh, Miller is the same thing, but the three guys there, They've been good. Every other year, it's like we need more out of our core guys and we'll be there. Well, this year, it's their core guys are playing good and everyone else isn't. So uh, there's a lot of negatives on this team. There's goaltending. There's the locker room cancer and bickering going on. There's Their defense is brutal. Their PK is brutal. They need to be better at this point. Like We expected them to be better years ago and it's still not working. Um, yeah, I have F+. It's my worst grade in this division. Maybe my worst grade in the league. Could be the worst grade in the league. Uh, I'll top it, though, Case. I'm going to give them an F-. Uh, they wasted this core. They wasted the window that they had to win a cup with this core. Elias Pettersson might be the only player on the team who's safe from trade, and uh, that includes Quinn Hughes. You know, there are rumblings already about Quinn Hughes, uh, you know, getting the boot 
and uh, a complete rebuild coming here in Vancouver. Now, I don't think that will happen. I don't think the, the market has the patience for a complete rebuild. It'll be more of a retool, I think, but nobody's safe. And that is completely 100% on management. It's a complete waste of the core that they've had. You know, Bo Horvat having the best season of his career doesn't matter. He's not even going to re-sign there because they committed to JT Miller for seven, eight years, whatever it was, and they picked the wrong guy. They signed Miller before their captain in Horvat. Now, I love JT Miller. You guys know that because he's a sick fantasy player, but come on, dude. Like, Exhibit A is is that situation right there on on the complete and utter failure of the management group here and like it's just the exhibits go on and on so like listen they've had some some difficult stretches here and they've been pretty unlucky like the injury to Demco this year was you know you don't always foresee that and like I said earlier in the episode with Vegas you know take away your starting goalie and see what happens to a team Demko carried this team for the most part last season and he wasn't very good at the start of this year and then he got hurt so you haven't had him virtually all season um like everything has gone wrong and I think an F- minus is fitting for this team because it is a complete and utter failure by management to surround this group of players um adequately and compete for not only a playoff spot but the cup like they've had the the core now for so long and they haven't been able to do anything with it so f minus for me short and sweet for the most part you know a great way to sum up the vancouver canucks and i've heard other hockey people say this that you know it's patrick alvin and jim rutherford running the show now but it's still jim benning's team that's an easy way to sum up the Vancouver Canucks. And to me, they're kind of like the Buffalo Sabres from four or five years ago, trying to fix this thing on the fly, spending assets, picks, prospects, spending money to try and fix this thing on the fly, keeping everybody together, but it's not working. It's clear as day that it's not working. They, they really need to, uh, to, to change this up because it's a mess. The culture is a huge problem there, and that was the problem for for so long in in Buffalo. You would look at them on paper with the O'Reillys and the Canes and the Eichels, and and the list goes on, and you'd be like, how is this team not good? But it's the culture, and it is on the Aquilinis and, and on management that this solely for 100% for, for why they're in the position that they're in. It's the culture. And uh, they they have to make some some serious changes, but uh, yeah, to me, I, I I look at them as the Sabers from four or five years ago. I might so make I've them got an F uh, minus then. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm not quite as harsh. Again, I you know that's that's my theme here. I haven't been quite as harsh. Uh, I will give them a D plus. I'll, I'll settle with that. There have been a few bright spots here and there. They've had some good efforts. You know that game last night in Carolina. I you know that's that's. A, a good one for them but uh yeah i'm not going to be quite as harsh but it's been a disaster and by the way too got to give uh quinn hughes kudos for sticking up for tanner pearson with his injury situation i thought that was really great um because uh, apparently they're really close and so that's that's a tough situation but even that just that whole injury situation I know. just reminds me of the old sabers 
Yeah, they're not going to give you the full story. Everything is cloak and daggers. Like, it's weird, man. It's weird how this team has been run. And, you know, we talk about maybe Chuck Fletcher as being the worst general manager in the league. but And, and that's kind of his whole body of work in, in Philadelphia. But, like, if we're looking at Vancouver here, it might be the worst team in the entire league over the last decade at managing assets. You know, like one thing they did was go out and spend a boatload to get OEL. And they didn't get him retained very much. And he was a healthy scratch the other night. So like there's just one player who has absolutely not panned out. And you could have seen that coming from a mile away because he wasn't good his last year in Arizona. So like just the asset management has been absolutely terrible. And I'll I'll say it again, F minus because they've completely wasted any type of window they had at winning a cup with this core. Completely wasted out the window. Yeah, that's uh, that's an excellent point for sure. Just one more thing on the Canucks. Uh, a spot you never want to be in is a team that uh, has no prospects coming. I mean, they've got a few, but really no one coming that you can uh, that you can really look at and say, oh my goodness, this guy's going to be something else. They're they're not good, and they're right up against the cap. That is not a spot that you want to be in. Uh, so there we go. That. Uh, that does it for the Canucks, and uh, now we move on to the bottom two teams. This is going to be super quick at 7 and 8. Uh, we'll start with the San Jose Sharks, and uh, right now, 34 points in 44 games. They've lost two in a row. Uh, the, this team is, of course, headed into a rebuild. They uh, could have a shot at uh, the number one pick. San Jose, Case, your grade for the Sharks. Yeah, I've... <laughs> Some people might throw my grading scale out the window when they hear this, but I have San Jose Sharks down as a B plus. Um, they've got the fifth best crack at Connor Bedard. They're embracing a bit of a rebuild here. Um, and I've heard talks that they're looking to trade Timo Meyer be- before the end or before the trade deadline, which I think is going to be the right move. He's got like a $10 million um, RFA bid. So. I think that moving him, you're going to get a boatload and some team's going to benefit from having him. Um, maybe the New Jersey Devils, that'd be cool. <laughs> Bring those Swiss boys together. But um, the other thing that I kind of have as a positive for them is they're near the bottom. They've got a chance at Bedard. They're starting the rebuild, yet the guys that were locked up with them for a long time are having good seasons. And that means, you know, that's a good thing going forward. Like if you have Carlson... He's not going to be this good next year. I I have to expect that. But getting him still moving in the right direction during your rebuild when you have him for X amount of years, I forget how long they have him still. Same as Hurdle, they have him for six or seven more years. It's like seeing those guys still play meaningful type, like playing well, putting up good numbers on a team that's supposed to be rebuilding it's still a good sign it's a good thing to see so i have that as a positive and i have them at a b plus uh the negatives is that they're obviously bad like they're <laughs> third or or the fifth last in the league so that's a negative but i have them at b, a b plus because this is this is what we saw this is what i said at the beginning of the year at the preseasons you guys too so it's like b plus 
Yeah, and I mean, this is relative to our expectations. We thought they were going to be bad, and they have been bad, and that's fine because they've had some good individual seasons from guys like Timo Meyer and Eric Carlson especially who might get you know, 90 points and could still win the Norris Trophy, maybe. Like, he's in the conversation for the Norris Trophy still after the halfway point of the season. Um, so that's always great. So, yeah, I mean, I gave them a B. I think their season has been fine. I think uh, their new general manager, uh, Greer is his name. Mike Greer? Mike is that Greer, yeah. Mike Greer. He was able to trade Brent Burns, and I believe he only retained 25% of that deal. So that in and of itself is a win. Uh, at the deadline, you're going to look to move guys like Timo Meyer and Eric Carlson, who I mentioned are having good seasons. Meyer, you're going to get a boatload for because he's that he's an RFA, like you mentioned, Case, and his QO is high anyway. So why keep him if you don't think he factors into your long-term plan? Um, and then when it comes to Carlson, I know that right now they're, you know, it, it's been rumored that they want three first round picks i mean that's not going to happen but at least set the price high and try to facilitate a deal there even if you have to eat some salary because they're not going to be good for a while but they have some good young prospects coming up and a good shot at Connor bedard so i gave him a b i think everything they've done this year has been fine uh the reason i haven't gone higher is because uh they stink and i think that's fine for them right now yeah uh, but yeah that's what i'm saying yeah I've uh, I've got San Jose at a C. Um, you know, the, again, like you guys mentioned, this is kind of what we expected. You know, th- there was maybe a small chance that they, you know, could end up in the race and turning it around a little bit, kind of like what Philly has done, even though they got blown out today. But um, yeah, th- this is what we expected. I think they're well coached by David Quinn. He gets the most out of this roster that he can, and I think Mike Greer has done a good job in his first year. It's a it's another market. We talked about Vancouver before. It's it, San Jose has been another market for so long. They have been so stubborn towards the idea of a rebuild, and they're finally starting to embrace it. And I got to pump my tires here for a sec because uh, Philip Bystead was my player to watch for Sweden at the World Juniors. And he looked fantastic. A uh, a big, strong center. So uh, he, they've got him in the pipeline. William Eklund, of course, and uh, and other guys. And they're going to get a, a high pick um, in in this upcoming draft. So this is a big draft for them. Get as many picks as you can to uh, have a lot in this draft, and uh, that'll be really good down the road for the San Jose Sharks. But yeah, I'll give them a C, and uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch them at the deadline. Mm -hmm. All right, final team in the Pacific, and that is, of course, the Anaheim Ducks. 28 points in 43 games. They've lost three in a row. We know the, uh, the plan with Anaheim, and so case your grade for the Ducks. Kind of a similar situation as San Jose um, for my grading, but I actually have them a bit lower. I have them as a C plus. Um, they've got the second best crack at Connor Bedard at the moment, so that's a major positive. Uh, and they're embracing the rebuild. That's also a positive for this team because they still need to keep going on this rebuild. They're almost there. They're in the, the sweet spot. So uh, Connor Bedard would end the rebuild. They'd be ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, the negatives. Well, 
they're bad and behind where we expect them to be. We expect this team to be a little bit further in the rebuild. Um, but so, so I see that as a negative. And then the other thing is that everyone's taken a little bit of a step back. I think all of their players who had such great seasons last year. And my final negative is the Gibson situation. Let him free. Let him go. Let him try to win a cup. <laughs> Yeah, the thing with Gibson is like he's had a bit of a resurgence this year. He's been pretty good for them. Um, so, and he has be really been, good for a playoff team. That's the thing. Like he <laughs> hasn't been very good for the last few years, and now he's finally showing teams around the league that he is still capable of being a very good goalie at the highest level. But yeah, I, I don't think he fits their timeline still. But I think they're gonna keep him. It seems like they want to keep him around. So. I mean, I, I don't know why, but that's it seems like that's what they're doing. Uh, I gave Anaheim a B because even though they're behind uh, where I think we all thought they would be uh, currently in their rebuild stage, I also think it's fine to be bad this season of all seasons to get Connor Bedard. So, um, you know, imagine Bedard and Zegris on your top line for the next decade. Like, that would be absolutely lethal. So I think it's fine. If I look back to the start of the season um, when they signed John Klingberg, I think we looked at that going one of two ways. One, they're good enough to squeak into the playoffs with Klingberg on D, and he helps them. Uh, he helps mentor guys on the back end, helps them be a better team. Whatever, that's fine. Or we pictured them being terrible, having Klingberg, and flipping them at the deadline. So I think that's the likely scenario now, this year, that they've been so bad. And, uh, you know, if they're able to get a second-round pick or something at the deadline for basically free, uh, I know Klingberg hasn't had a fantastic season, but teams still need defensemen out there, and they can eat half of his salary. That was the point of the one-year deal. So... I could see that happening, and uh, you know, for that reason, if they're able to pull that off, I think Anaheim deserves a B because uh, you know they've looked at this rebuild from a long-term perspective, and they're managing their assets accordingly. So I, I don't mind it at all. B for me. I'll give Anaheim a C just uh, for a lot of the reasons you guys mentioned. Um, you know, I, I think they're a little bit behind where they should be. It, it's clear they just they don't have enough. Uh, to to win on a on a night in night out uh, basis, so um, it you know a little disappointing to to see just how bad they've been. But man, the future looks bright. And you look at their general manager in Pat Verbeek, who was the right hand man to Steve Eiserman for so many years in Tampa Bay. That is the guy that is going to lead this team to be a Stanley Cup contender in the future. And so um, that's that's a, a great spot for them to be in. He was not afraid to come in, totally change the culture and the makeup of this team. And yeah, if you're going to be bad in, uh, in any year, this is the one to be. And adding Bedard to that already insane pool of prospects that they have and players right now in their lineup, that would be something to see. So yeah, I'll give the Ducks a C. Uh, two seasons in a row to end it. Wow, Harp, why do you have to be so harsh in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. I know. I'm. I'm. Uh, I was too nice with my with my mid season grades. All right. I know we got to wrap up. Do we have time for a quick fantasy corner? Let's do it quickly so that we don't have to pack in two fantasy corners next week. Let's do it very okay. quickly. Well, I will. Uh, yeah, uh, Chad, I'll, I'll I'll let you just mention our our matchup. Uh, I won't really go into that since I got slaughtered. But uh, Case, we'll go to you first with fantasy corner. 
Um, I had a great week. I think I was third in points this week and got the win. A um, couple guys were monsters for me. Adrian Kempe was a monster, 30.75 points. Hughes, 29 points. And Line A, 23.5 points. Finally showing up for me. He had a hat trick and came up in a big way for me. Uh, huge pickup for me, picking up Pavel Francouz. We mentioned this before the pod, talking to each other. Well, I got him for free out of the free agency. He came off injury and was big, got a shutout and then another big win right after. So he's been great and he's going to be good for me. So I've got three goalies that I expect a lot of wins in the, the second half of the season. So looking good. Yeah, we were talking about this. Georgiev has played 30 games this year. I believe his max that he's played before is 34 in one season. So we don't really know what Colorado's going to do with Georgiev. He struggled the last few games, and Francouz has kind of been the next guy up. And I sort of expected Francouz to be the starter at the beginning of the season, but it went to Georgiev. He had a really good start. Now, I think for the back half of the season, it might be a 50-50 split. It at least seems like that could be the case because Francouz has also been decent this year as well. So, Case, that's a solid pickup. I like it. Um, For my matchup last week, Harp, as you alluded to, uh, we played each other. Multiple scoregasms versus the Sunnyvale hockey team. And I just absolutely walloped you by about 75 points wasn't close at all 224 to 153 uh i outperformed my projected points shocker always do that you underperformed your projected points um i don't actually know what you do often but you underperformed so maybe it was a bit of an unlucky week i didn't have one particular player who uh rose above the others and had fantastic weeks but i did have jt miller bo horvat uh, Daniel Sprong, Lawson Kraus, Travis Konechny, Neil Pionk, Connor Hellebuck, Ducky Hamilton, Timo Meyer, uh, all above 15 points consistently. So I like all of that production up and down the lineup, and uh, it was just a great week for me. This week um, it might be a bit of a different story. I'm, pro- I'm projected to win uh, again by quite a few points over Book Hockey, but right now he's got me in a stranglehold. He's up by seven points, so this might be the comeback of the century here, but it's projected to be 250 to 178 in favor of me. Last thing I'll say uh, in Fantasy Corner before I read the uh, top five and bottom five quickly is that this week, if you're looking for a player to pick up, um, the Philadelphia Flyers have a unicorn week this week. They play five games which is almost unheard of in the NHL schedule. Uh, I believe there are 20 teams who play four times this week, so there are a few heavy nights. But if you're looking just for added games, um, look no further than the Philadelphia Flyers, who have a unicorn week, five games played. Um, I looked at some players. I just didn't really want to drop anyone. I was thinking about dropping Daniel Sprong, but he had a really good week last week, and he's dual eligible, so I didn't go for that. Uh, one through five, Kuznetsov's third line is uh, still in first place. They're 14 and 0, haven't lost yet. I'm in second, 13 and 1. No Regretskis, 10 4 and 0, they're in third. Nathan Ganyu's, uh team, 9 5 and 0, sitting in fourth. And the Dirty Birdies in fifth, sitting with a record of 8 6 and 0. 
Eight, six, and oh is the record uh, for every team between the fifth and the 12th spot. Harper, you're currently sitting in 12th with that same record, which is astonishing. That playoff race for the top eight spots is going to be crazy. And then at yep. the bottom of the league, in 20th, we have Eichel Tower, still yet to win one matchup. That's uh, John. We should shame him for that. 19 is I took the walk to Poland, 311-0. 18 is Jake Slam Dunk team starting to come on here, 311-0. Uh, 17th is Mail Order Brides, 311-0 as well. And 16th place is Connor McJavids at 410-0. And that concludes Fantasy Corner for me this week. There we go. Yep. Looking to bounce back this week. Uh, projected to win my matchup against uh, Will Nye, the science guy. Currently up 35-22. to 22. Devon Taves with a pair of assists in uh, the win over Detroit this afternoon. By the way, speaking of Flyers players, Travis Konechny, second in league scoring since December 18th. He's second with, uh, with the most points since the 18th of December, only trailing Connor McDavid, which is pretty incredible. So anyway, good luck to you guys in fantasy this week. Uh, that does it for Fantasy Corner and for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to episode 155. Our Pacific Division midseason report cards will be back at uh, uh, back at it with you next week with uh, our report cards midseason for the Central Division to wrap up the Western Conference. Thanks so much. Enjoy the games this week, and we will chat with you again next Monday. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.